Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 8. I'm just going to continue on uh, from a couple of weeks ago on conquering Canaan. This is part 4. Um, we're not going to get into Canaan this morning, but we're going to get into Canaan next week, God willing. Um, we'll eventually get there. It'll not take us 40 years, Margaret, but we will get there. Praise the Lord. And uh, Conquering Canaan, part four. And today, the subtitle of that is, Tomorrow the Lord Will Do Wonders. Romans chapter 8, if you turn to verse 31, once you get there, if you could stand with me, and then we'll all read the Word of God together audibly. Romans chapter 8. And verse 31, and we're reading to the end of the chapter. Amen. Once you're there, if you can, then we'll stand together to honor the reading of God's word, and we'll all read it audibly together. Praise the Lord. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Father, this morning we ask for your help and for your anointing upon your word. We pray, Lord, that your name would be lifted up and glorified in this house, O God. And, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would quicken us by your Spirit, Lord, in our mortal being, Lord, and give us ears to hear, Lord, hearts that are open, and, Lord, that wills are willing to be Lord, Lord, bow to your will, and humbly, Lord, we ask that you would give help and give grace in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Just in that first week that we came to this series on conquering Canaan, we first of all dealt with the, the carnality and the unbelief of Israel and what had prevented so many from entering into what God's perfect plan and purpose was for their lives and then in part two we looked at at this time when they'd come through that wilderness how that another spirit uh, and of faith and obedience had 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 been birthed in the hearts of the people in order that they would cross over into God's plan and then the last time we looked at that preparation that's so crucial for every believer that God is a God of preparation God prepares his people for the purposes that he has for them. And then this morning, just this this thought that tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You know, these messages are important that sometimes might feel that whatever we have come in from or whatever we're living through in our own personal walks as believers, and we can look at these scriptures and look at what we're been studying over these number of weeks and say, how, how are 
How are these things relevant to me? What is important to remember, and you know the scripture well, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, Paul points us very clearly for us to study uh, the Old Testament and to study the children of Israel and, and their conduct, how they behave themselves. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, Paul writes these words. He says, now all these things happened unto them for an example, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. You see how important that the Bible instructs us that we should understand these people as their lives are led before us and how they interacted and reacted to God and how they walked in faith some and how some in unbelief did not enter into what God had for them. And so they're very specific for us, especially as we know we're coming to the end of time that we look at their lives and they're there to help us, that we keep our focus right, that we keep our hearts right, and we keep our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was a critical time for Israel. They're now about, about to pass over this Jordan. They're about to enter into to the promised land. And if you go back into Joshua chapter 1, I just want to pick up some readings here and just go through a few things that are going to help us this morning, I believe, just understand some very important principles for us as, as, as believers. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 10, uh, it says there that Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the host, command the people saying, prepare your victuals for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And so what we see that these officers that the Bible calls them, these men, probably notable individuals within the tribes, that they were instructed of Joshua. They had a very important role. It was a vital role that they went in amongst the people. And, and Joshua tells them very specifically what they are to say. When they enter in amongst the people, he first of all says, I want you to prepare your victuals, that is, make provision, make yourself ready, get some provision, for we are about to move, because we know the manna was going to stop. And so now there's a preparation for them to prepare themselves as they're about to enter in, make some provision for in three days we're going to go in to possess the land, the land that the Lord has promised us. And so these officers, if you can see it in your mind's eye, had a very important role to instill within the people a faith to believe in the promise of God. They had to enter in amongst the company of the people and say, listen, prepare yourself, get ready, because we're about to enter into what God has for us, to possess the land, the land that the Lord has promised us. And they would go from tent to tent. It would be right down into every individual gathering that they would go and pass this word around the entire camp of God's people. And their word was vital. It was so important that it was the faith of God, that it was the word of God that was instilled within them. You see, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, I want you to listen very carefully this morning because our words are so crucial, especially in the days in which we're living. It's so important what we say as believers 
It's so important that the, that the church has a voice that speaks hope and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in Proverbs 18 and 21, this is what it says. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Do you hear that? I just want you to hear this again. It's so important what we say, what we speak, what we're speaking in in the life that we live currently in the time that we've come to. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And it says, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. That simply means is that if you speak death, that there will be fruit that comes from what you say. It also means that if you speak life, that there will be fruit that comes off what you speak in life. And so it's vital for us in the hour in which we are living that we as believers, as Christians, as the salt of the earth, as the light that has been set on a hill, that we don't lose our savor, that we speak life, that we live this life, that we actually speak the life of God, that we speak faith, that we speak peace, that we speak hope. There's a hope in this world. That we have something to say that it's not just like blending in with the rest of the world and what the politicians are saying and what the experts are saying and what all the notable individuals of this world are saying. But we do have an answer and that answer is Jesus Christ. There's hope for men that are lost in misery and in bondage and in fear. There is a hope and that hope is in Jesus. And it's so important that the church does not lose its savor because the Bible then says that it's actually good for nothing. We're just blending in with everything else. And so this was important for these men to enter into the camp and to speak to the people, speak faith, speak hope, speak the, the word of God in the situations. This is not positive confession. This is the power of God's word. Now we actually encourage one another in the things of God. That we encourage one another to study the word of God. To, to show yourself approved. To, to encourage one another to fight the good fight of faith. To earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. It's so important that we say to our young and to our old and to the middle aged alike. We can walk this walk not by our strength but by the faith in this God. We are more than conquerors through Christ. We know we have a hope beyond this present world. We know we're coming to the end of time, but thank God that we've been brought to the kingdom for, for such a time as this. It's so important, our words, our words are crucial in this hour, so vital that we speak what God wants us to speak because we have seen the effect of words we have seen the effect of words over these past few years, how, 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 how devastating they can be. The power of what we say. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And these officers had a, a, crucial, a crucial agenda sent by Joshua. Speak faith. Speak the promise of God. Speak the word of the Lord into their hearts and into their tents. We are about to possess the land. Get yourself ready. Get ready. That's what they were saying. They're completely relying on what God says. What God's word says. We, we, we have nothing else. 
We have nothing else outside the confines of this word. There is nothing else that we can say. Once we are moved away from this, then brothers and sisters, we are actually finished. Everything, everything is all found here in the word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, God's inspired word. That's all we have, but it is enough. It's God's word. And so they go in to speak this word into their hearts. You know, he, they were just simply taking up what God had promised and they were relaying the promise of God into their hearts. You know, this is so, so important because if you, if you go back some 40 years to this time, it was Moses that was commissioned of the Lord to go in with the same word. This word was actually given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. They're, they're just taking up the covenant that God had made with Israel and they're reaffirming the word of the Lord. This is important because, you know, when sometimes when the word of God comes, whether it's through preaching or whether it's through our study or reading, Sometimes depending, and this is really important, on the circumstances that person's in determines whether or not they can receive it. And this is so, this is so important. I'm not talking about a person that doesn't believe like those that were in the wilderness. They, 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 they chose not to believe the word of the Lord. But sometimes, when the promise comes or the word is preached, depending on what's happening in that individual's life, determines whether they can receive or hearken to what God is saying. And so often what can happen in a meeting like this, there could be someone here this morning and because of their circumstances, they could sit through a whole meeting And because they're so consumed by what is happening in their own personal life, they don't receive the word of the Lord. They can't receive it. Let me show you this. If you turn back to Exodus chapter 6, because this was the same promise that that these officers were given in Joshua. And now here we find it with Moses. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6 says these words. This is the Lord's instructing Moses, Exodus 6 and 6, Wherefore, he said to Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land concerning that which I swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage. I am the Lord. It's the same promise. Look at verse 9. So Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses. Look what it says. For anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. They were not able to respond in faith to the word of God. These people were not in unbelief. That's a different thing. What was happening here amongst these people, and I just believe this for 
Someone this morning that's in our meeting, they, they couldn't respond to the word that was being preached, the word that was being given, the word of the Lord that was coming because there's, their personal circumstances was so crushing. They're so consumed by what is happening and it's real. It's not something of the figment of their imagination. They're in a real battle spiritually. There's things going on in their life that perhaps nobody else really knows about, but, but it is an intense battle in their circumstances or in their home or in their life. And the word of the Lord is coming, but because, because the pressure is so great, and every believer has been there, isn't that right? The pressure is so great upon them. There's such a crushing sense on their mind and on their circumstances that they're not able to adhere to the promise of God. They're not able to yield themselves to the word of the Lord. And the Lord is saying, I want you to cast your burden on me. I want to bring you out from under your burdens. I'll take your burdens and I'll break the bondage that's in your life. I am the one. I am the Lord. And they couldn't respond to that because the Bible tells us the anguish of spirit. That word anguish simply means that they were so pressed. They were so pressed to be pressed, to be crushed in their spirit. You know that they're so so up against it that the, that the circumstances of their life was so intense. It was such a battle. Listen to me, brother or sister, if you're in this room this morning and you just know, that's me. God is speaking to you. God's saying, I don't want you to live under your burdens. I don't want you to live in that place where you're crushed by your circumstances. You're more than a conqueror through me. But you see, we have to clear sometimes the ground. You know, the ground is so important to be able to receive the word of the Lord. You know, that, that one that fell among the thorns, it's choking the word. The cares of the world, they begin to choke the word of the Lord. And then we find ourselves that we're not able to receive the word of God. And on the outward, everything might look fine, but we're not able to... Uh, to, to take the word faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God but we're so crushed or the cruel bondage that is the circumstances of our lives they're so they're so great that we can't actually receive what God is saying we've gone through trials or tribulations or or, or all manners of things we're in an awesome day and the word of the Lord comes forth and they couldn't hearken Listen, brothers and sisters, it's so important what we speak. But it's so important that when we hear, that we clear the ground of that heart in order to receive the promise of God, that we can act in obedience to God's word. Thank God he's the one that redeems us. Thank God he's the one that rids us of our bondage. Thank God he's the one that lifts the heavy burden. Thank God this morning he is the one. He said, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. So the word of the Lord is crucial and the heart is crucial to receive it. And Joshua is about to send two men in to spy out that land and sometimes sometimes we need to, to spy out the land. Sometimes we need to know what's happening, what they're saying in the enemy's kingdom. And so here we find them 
If you turn over uh, just again into Joshua there, we find that Joshua is about to send out two men to spy out that land. In Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1, it says that he sent out, Joshua the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, go and view the land, even Jericho. And they went and they came to a harlot's house whose name was Rahab, and that's where they lodged. You know, we find it in Scripture that this often was the case with the Lord that he would send in, he would send in his people to the enemy's camp to hear what they were saying for a very specific reason because when they heard what the enemy was saying, they would be greatly encouraged. So with everything that's happening and the rise of wickedness and the powers of darkness and the Antichrist, which is all unfolding before us, but if you go into the very heart of that and you hear what they're saying, you'll be greatly encouraged. It was like Gideon when he was told to go down with his servant. And the Lord said to him in Judges 7 and 11, he says, when you go down and hear what they're saying, Gideon, this is what the Lord said, afterward, your hands will be strengthened to go down in amongst that host. Gideon, see if you go down right into the midst of those Midianites and you hear what they're saying, you're going to be so strengthened that you know that I have given you the victory over all of them. And so it tells us that Gideon came down and there was this man who told a dream to his fellow. You know the story. And he said, Behold, I had a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of the Midian and came under a tent and smote and it fell and it overturned. And his fellow turned around and said, And Gideon, you can just see him sitting listening to the conversation. And the other guy turns around, the fellow turns around and he says, Surely, he says, this is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand has God delivered Midian and all the host. And Gideon leaves what he hears from the enemy's camp and he responds and he goes, surely the Lord's give us the victory. Because he heard what the enemy's saying. If you think this morning, brothers and sisters, out in that world, that they're enjoying themselves and they're living this up and they think this is great, I want to tell you that's a facade. Behind all of that fear and behind all of that plastic thing that we see, there's people that are petrified and don't know where to turn. And God has given us the victory and he's given us a voice. And this day to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. That there is victory in Jesus. And that's the reality behind it. We know it's a facade we know all of it is just a facade before us. They're trying to present something that's not real. But if you dig underneath that, you know that they're whispering each other. See them Christians, we know that they're right. How many times have you heard that on the streets? We know it's true. But because of the facade and of sin and the deceitfulness, they don't respond. You remember Nehemiah who went in to the midst of Jerusalem and he sees the waste and the gates that are burned. And he told them after they looked at that, you see, friends, it's so important when we see the devastation of our day, what our reaction is to it and what we say. Nehemiah turned around and you know what he said? I just told them that the hand of the Lord's upon me. And I told them the king's words. And you know what the men said that were with him? They said, well, let us rise up and let us build. You see, our reaction to this is crucial. 
and the rise of this. This is happening worldwide. You know, there was uh, Tracy sent a clip yesterday from South Africa, a, a man on pleading for the for for God's people to pray because they're bringing in laws, they're taking away the freedoms of the church. This is not just happening here in the UK. This is happening all over the world because it's an antichrist system. But beyond the system, there's people that don't know where to turn, and we have an answer. Joshua says, I'm going to send these two men in. Two spies, of course, as opposed to what it was 40 years previous. He sends in two as opposed to 12. Because I think really what was the case, I suppose what Brother Willie Dick would say it the best way, he's seen this turkey before. I'm not sending 12, I'm just going to send two. And so two men go in because there's power. When two agree, many people know that. There's power when two people. The Bible says that if two agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. It's good to get agreement. It's good to sit down and go, Stevie, would you agree with me for this situation and pray together? In unison, can we agree together for God to move by his power? Can we agree for God to break through in this, in this nation? Can we agree for the building fund? Can we agree for a lost soul? Can we agree for a lost son? Can you find someone that says, yes, I agree? So two spies go in to this land. It's an amazing account, really, if you think about it, that here are Two men that go into Jericho to view out this land. They're engaged in the business of the kingdom. You know, the Bible has told us clearly that we are to occupy until he comes. We are actually to, to engage in the business of the kingdom. That's why we're here. And these men go in to do the business of the kingdom. And it's profound, really, if you think about it, that they find themselves in a harlot's house. It's actually an amazing story. Like they actually end up in the, in the lowest place, I suppose, in, in a moral sense. They, they, they end up in the lowest place in all of Jericho as far as the moral context goes. Do you know what that just shows us? See that blood that we sang about this morning? That blood reaches right into the lowest valley. That's what it means, that God is so merciful that there was a prostitute in Jericho was the one that was going to be saved on her house. It's amazing how God works. And so we see that these two men go in. And there they are. And they listen to the story from this woman's mouth. Remember, God wanted them to hear what the enemy was saying. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 9. If you turn over with me, please. Joshua 2 and verse 9. And she said unto the men... I know that the Lord God has given you land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what he did unto the two kings of the Amorites which were on the other side of the Jordan. A few weeks ago we mentioned this, that God had given them a token victory. It just gave them a measure of the victory that was coming with the kings of Zion and Og. And now we see the effect of that small victory. Brothers and sisters, 
when God begins to move in the small things that has profound and rippling effects in the kingdom of darkness. Never underestimate the small beginnings. Never underestimate the small things. And it's no small thing that a young girl was saved on Friday night called Miriam. But let me tell you something. Never underestimate the power of God. It might seem insignificant to the world, but it's not insignificant to God. And God often gives small victories as a token. But look at the effect that this had. This had traveled right into the into the whole of Canaan, into the whole of Jericho, that all of them were now afraid that these people are coming our way. And she says, And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, he is the God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Here is the confession of a prostitute in Jericho, your God is the Almighty God. We know the fear of your filling our hearts. Could I tell you something, friends, this morning? There's only one kingdom on this earth that's filled with fear, and it's that Antichrist kingdom. Because the devil knows his time is short. Jesus is coming soon, and he knows it. And he knows his time is short, and he's doing everything to throw everything against the church of Jesus Christ. And thank God that we will overcome through him. The small victory then became a significant one. When these, when these two spies in verse 23 returned, look what they said. Joshua 2.23 So the two men returned and descended from the mountain, passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun, and told him all the things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. What a testimony they come back with. Listen, what a testimony they return. This was crucial to everything of building faith in the people of God. And Joshua, as a previous spy of the first twelve, as he's standing and he hears the words, I have no doubt when he hears those words from those two men, truly, Joshua, the Lord has delivered our, them into our hands. Even all the inhabitants of this country are fainting because of us. In Joshua chapter 3, if you turn into it then, it says these words, Joshua 3 and verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning. They removed from Shittim and they came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days, that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, now here's the same officers, they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then shall you remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know that the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. How many people know that we serve a God that performs wonders? 
How many people really know that? We serve a God that performs wonders. He's a wonder-working God. He performs. If you're not sure, the authority in this is the Bible. In Psalm 72 and verse 18, this is what it says. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth what? Wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. We serve a God that only doeth wondrous things. Let me, let me ask you individually this morning, has the Lord done wondrous things in your life? Come on church this morning, has the Lord done wondrous things in your life? He's a wonderful God and He does wonderful things. He's done wonderful things in our lives. We, we somehow or some way have been conditioned to come to nearly believe that the God of the Bible is no longer a God that does wonderful things. He still does wonderful things. That was a wonderful thing that a young girl gave her life to the Lord. Is that a wondrous thing? Is that something that the church should actually be excited about? Is it something we should rejoice in? Is it something that we should say, my God, God's about to move. May God start to save one and two and three and four and five and ten and twenty and fifty and a hundred and five hundred. Is it something that we should begin to get stirred up about? That we serve a God, not, not, not that Muslim God, that demon God, we, not a God of stone, not a God of rock, not a Hindu God, not, not, not a Buddhist, but we serve the living God that only does wonderful things. And the church need again to see the wonders of God. You imagine this, this is where I just want to bring us to. Those officers are instructed again, their names aren't mentioned because our names aren't really that important. But it's so much what we do for him that is important. And, and Joshua says, now I want you to get in amongst that host again. And I want you to tell them something. I want you to speak to them again. But the presence of the Lord, that ark, when it moves, then you get ready to move. But listen, very carefully, this is what he's saying to them. He's saying, listen, sanctify yourselves, folks, because I tell you what, tell you what's about to happen. Our God's about to do wonders. He's about to do wonderful things in the midst of his people. Things that we have not yet seen, but God's about to do them. And I want to tell you, friends, that must have penetrated into the heart of this new generation. And they must have been, surely they were filled with excitement and joy about what God is doing or about to do. Surely they must have began to rejoice. What was it like going to bed that night? Tomorrow, he's going to do wonders. Tomorrow, God's about to break through. Tomorrow, he's going to get saved. Tomorrow, they're coming home. They got excited about the things of God. I see people get excited about so many other things. But what about getting excited about the wonders of God? What God can do in a life. What God can do in a people. What God can do through a nobody. He's an awesome God. He's a God that only doeth 
wondrous things. You know, we're about to see and we are seeing. Listen carefully. The Bible tells us this. That the Lord is going to show wonders in the heaven. That's what the Bible says in the last days. when He pours out his spirit upon all flesh. He's going to show wonders in the heaven above. He's going to show supernatural signs. God is in the days in which we're, he already is. And there's going to be an old, a whole lot more. The Bible tells us that there are going to be a manifestation of lying signs and wonders. Jesus actually warned us in Matthew 24 and 24 that there will be false Christ, false prophets that will show forth signs and wonders. Paul talks about the, 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 the Antichrist and he tells us in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 7 about that mystery of iniquity that is working. But then he says in verse 9, even him who's coming after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders. The church has no problem believing that this to be true, that there be lying signs, there be lying wonders, there be false teachers, there will be an antichrist. But friends, I want to tell you something even greater than that. There's the wonders of God, the supernatural almighty power of God manifested upon that early church and they moved in the power of the Holy Ghost with the signs and wonders following them that believe. Why are we limited, God, to, to, to four walls or, or to a page or, or, or a statement of faith or a mindset that God is limited to? Why are we limited, the Holy One of Israel? Why not believe in a God of this book that says he does wondrous things, supernatural powers of God? Yes, the Antichrist is real. Yes, there's the rise of wickedness. But we serve an almighty God. We serve a God that desires to display His glory on this planet, that His Son would be revealed, that souls would be saved. There's a harvest of souls. The wonders of God. Or are we like the children of Israel in Psalm chapter 78 where it says, they forgot His works. Think about it. They forgot what He done for them. Would that be said of any of us in this room? They forgot his work, Psalm 78 and 11, and the wonders that he showed them, the marvelous things that he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt. Have you forgot the wonders of God? Could that be said of any of us? Could that be said of any believer in this? Have you forgot the wonderful things that God has done in your life? The truth is, brothers and sisters, we serve an almighty, an all-conquering, and a wonderful Savior. Joshua says something very important. It's an old-fashioned term, but it's so important. He says, now sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow... I'm going to do wonders. That's an old-fashioned word. It's a biblical word. It's right up to date. Sanctify yourselves. What does it mean? What does it really mean to be sanctified? What does it really mean to sanctify yourself? 
It means to, do you know what it really means that in your heart this morning that you're just, it means just to rededicate your life to the Lord and to consecrate yourself afresh to the Lord and say, Lord, I just want to give you myself anew this morning. Imagine that. That they all wanted to just come and say, Lord, you know what? We just want to all give ourselves afresh to you because you're just such a wonderful Savior and you deserve for us to rededicate our lives to you. Imagine that. We're going to sanctify our hearts. We're going to, as it were, circumcise. The Bible talks about the foreskin of our heart that we're no longer stiff-necked. We're not receiving this. Is it near one o'clock? He must be finished. We just need to get out. Lord, we want to just come and say, Lord, whatever time you give us left, as Niall said this morning, whatever days I have on this planet, whatever breath you put in this body, but see the rest of my life, Lord, see this morning, I'm going to sanctify my life afresh to you. I'm going to dedicate it. I'm going to live for Jesus. Because tomorrow, the Lord's going to do wonders. You know, when they got into a real difficult place in that early church, there was much threat against them. And I believe, I know there's a lot of people now saying this is nonsense, but I have no problem with, with that. But I believe there's persecution really on its way to the church. And they got into a place of fear and threats from the government, they got a report about a man who was beaten up there in Colerain at the, at the outreach. That was the, that the same one that took place here in Balnehenge. There was a man that was beaten up, assaulted. I think this is really only the beginning of where we are going, brothers and sisters. They get into a prayer meeting. They get into a prayer meeting. I know what they say now, Lord, you behold their threatens. You grant unto your servants that with all boldness that we may speak your word. And you stretch forth your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word with boldness. You see, I believe that God's going to shake his house again. And I believe we're part of that house across this island. We need a good shaking, a Holy Ghost shaking. And we need to see again the signs and the wonders done in the name of his holy child, Jesus. Wonders. Wonders. Sanctify yourself for tomorrow. Brothers and sisters, he's going to do wonders. This is an awesome day to be alive. This really is. This is, honestly, of all the generations that have ever lived, it is my personal opinion. Some might differ. But I honestly, when I see the unfolding events according to God's prophetic calendar, and I may not have it all right in the timing, I know this one thing, that we're living in the last days. 
But these are the most exciting days for the church of Jesus Christ because there's about to be a display of the wonders of God. Yes, there's a display of the wonders and the lamb wonders of the Antichrist, but now we're seeing the display and the demonstration of the wonders of God. What a day to be alive. Sanctify yourself. Give yourself to God. Give Him all. Give Him your heart. Give Him everything. For tomorrow, He's going to do wonders. Can we believe it? Can we believe it? For wonders, wonders, supernatural power under the divine dunamis power of the Holy Ghost, wonders, healings, deliverances, prostitutes saved, drug addicts set free, not put through programs, meet Jesus and born again. Right down into the gutter. Isn't it amazing that it's a prostitute's house is the first house that they go to? You know what that shows me? God's about to pull out of that gutter of sin a whole realm of people. That a lot of the people sitting in religion, I'm saying religion, would have no time for. But I tell you, Jesus has time for them. May God work in his wondrous power and save precious souls. Sanctify yourselves. Get ready. Get dedicated. Get committed for tomorrow. Tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders. Father, this morning, we thank you for your presence among us. Pray, Lord, as we just come to the end of this time, Lord, just as a people, Lord, we just want to give ourselves afresh to you this morning because you're altogether worthy. And Lord, you're everything to each one of us that know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we just pray that Lord, that you would take our lives fully afresh this morning. I pray for those that are in this gathering. And Lord, they're crushed and pressed by their circumstances that they would cast it all at your feet, Lord. Lord, that you would break the bondage and the, the heaviness that's over your people, O oh God. Those that are surrounded, Lord. Lord, I pray that they'd see and lift their eyes a little higher and see, Lord, that you are for them. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would help us each one, Lord, just afresh to dedicate our lives to your purpose and to your plan for your glory. And Lord, we believe we serve a God that does wondrous things. And Lord, would you do it in our homes? Would you do it in our families? Would you do it in our workplace? Would you do it in the church? Would you do it in the streets? Lord, may we see your wonderful hand at work. Lord, we ask it all for your glory and all for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.